We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. We've got a great show for you today. Lots to talk about as the Lakers are going to take on the Detroit Pistons tonight. Joining me is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's uh, the Lakers playing the Pistons uh, tonight. And uh, boy, boy, do they need a win. <laughs> boy. Yeah. This is this to me, this is going to be, and we'll talk about this when we look ahead at the schedule, but this is the kind of game that you have to win if you're the Lakers. You have to take an opportunity, especially against an injured Pistons team. We know Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, those guys are going to be out. They're not going to be anywhere near 100%. You have to take a game like this, stack that win on your record, say thank you, move on to the next one. Last year's Lakers did a terrible job of winning the winnable games that were on their schedule. They found ways to lose those games. To me, it's incredibly important that the Lakers win this one tonight. Yeah, at three and ten, you just can't afford losses to teams that are worse than you. I put quotes around it because, <laughs> like, if you're three and ten, there aren't many teams worse than you. Um, but you know, the, the Lakers are not going to get a ton of opportunities this season to play teams that are like markedly worse than them. Like, you can easily on paper look and say they are a better team. Um, and last year, what would happen is the Lakers would know going into the game that they're the better team and just say, ah, let's, you know, take our foot off the gas pedal. The reverse needs to be true this year. The yeah. gas pedal needs to be pressed as hard as possible. Get your wins against Detroit um, and, and then go from there. Yeah, incredibly important that they are able to stack up wins in these games. Now, fortunately, we do have some good news regarding the injury report. In fact, our Daniel Starkan went to Lakers practice yesterday and uh, got this from Darvin Ham. Check it out. Uh, they'll be listed as probable, but more than likely they'll definitely be seeing floor time. But um, we'll see. They had another good day. They're stacking really good days, you know, consecutively. We're just excited to have them back in, in the fold. Um, you say floor time. Is there a plan to, to build them up uh, on Friday and, and maybe not give them a full allotment? What's the, what's the idea? There is a plan in place and one I'm not willing to share at this point. <laughs> How did LeBron look today, and what was LeBron able to do? LeBron looked great. <clears throat> we didn't have any contact today, but he was moving around well, running, jumping well. So we'll see. We'll see. We we uh, we'll be listed as questionable, but we'll see how the rest of the day goes and tomorrow goes leading um, up to the game. All right, so he led off there answering a question about Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder, and it sure sounds like, both of them are, are going to be playing. In fact, neither one of them are actually on the injury report as of right now. Um, they're likely, definitely, probably going to be playing for the Lakers. So let's talk a little bit about that first and foremost. You get Thomas Bryant back. Now, 
Darvin Ham also shared that he's not changing the starting lineup, which means it's going to be Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., LeBron James, assuming that he's good to go. Again, Darvin talked a little bit about him at the end there, uh, and Anthony Davis. So Thomas Bryant's return doesn't immediately slide Anthony Davis to the four, which is where he wants to play. Is that ultimately where this needs to lead to? Is that what Thomas Bryant needs to do is prove that he can move into the starting lineup and slide AD over? Or are you just looking for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a night of, of center play from Thomas Bryant? Yeah, I mean, it's a hard ask to just say, well, Thomas Bryant, you've had a couple of injuries. You haven't played yet this year. Go be in the starting lineup and mm-hmm. get Anthony Davis to his natural position at the four. I think at some point you want Thomas Bryant to be able to be someone that can play alongside Anthony Davis in significant minutes uh, because Anthony Davis, we know wants to play the four. And I think the hope going into the season was that Damian Jones was going to be able to do that, but we're seeing that he is, he is struggling. He has not played well up to this point. And so Thomas Bryant is kind of that saving grace, that last gasp of if AD is going to play heavy minutes at the four instead of the five this season, it's got to be with this guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I think it is important for him to eventually get there. As for tonight uh, against the Pistons, I'm, you know, I'm looking for 10, 15 minutes of just solid play, maybe get a couple of shots up, you know, uh, some of those long twos, you know, corner threes that he's been solid at uh, the last couple of years of his career. Just just ease himself in into the rotation there. Yeah, It's really just you need another big body that you can turn to because right now the Lakers, the whole center rotation for the Lakers, it's Anthony Davis and Wenyan Gabriel. And that's kind of it, except for the minutes where LeBron gets thrown in there. And I don't know that that's the ideal situation that you really want to have. So it's important that they have somebody else who can log those minutes. But I'll tell you what was interesting, Ron, was the reaction on Lakers Twitter when I put out there that, hey, you know what Darvin said, we're sticking with the same starting five here. The reaction was not, oh, AD isn't sliding to the four. And this surprised me a little bit because that was my initial reaction was, okay, this isn't an instant AD moves to the four situation just because Thomas Bryant is out. No, the reaction on Twitter was, why is Patrick Beverly still starting if Dennis Schroeder is back? What do you think about that? You know, it's, it's hard to disagree. Patrick Beverly has not looked good this year really at all. I mean, in small spurts, he's provided something defensively on the perimeter, but his shot isn't really falling Uh, He's been kind of a non-factor offensively. And so I I think it's fair to say, you know, why not give Dennis a try? But on the same token as Thomas Bryant, I think that's something maybe you'd eventually like to get to, right? Maybe you eventually get to a world where your starting lineup is uh, Dennis Schroeder, Lonnie Walker, LeBron, AD, Thomas Bryant. Maybe that's the plan. Uh, But that's not really a plan you can implement tomorrow when neither of them have played yet this season. Uh, They both barely got any time in the preseason uh, before they got their injuries, you know, their, their exact same injury. Uh, so I think it's going to be a little bit of time from Dennis tomorrow. Again, like if he can show in 10 or 15 minutes that he's the same guy from, from a couple of years or two, two seasons ago now. Wow. Um, if he can show he's that same guy that can, that can slash and kind of score within 15 feet, kind of at will, uh, if he shows that he's still that same tenacious, scrappy defender, uh, yeah, there's no reason he shouldn't be starting because, We've seen now that Patrick Beverly isn't quite providing what he was advertised to provide. And until he does that, Dennis Schroeder maybe is the more reliable option. Well, and here's what Schroeder said after practice about what he's looking to do and what he's looking to provide, kind of what he's observed while he's been on the bench. How much do you see your role as being a, a 
a ball handler and how much is playing off ball and being an option for those guys? I mean, I've played with, I think, an OKC with PG, Russ, then Shea, then CP, uh, then Braun, AD. I, I mean, I try to find my roles, you know, and um, I try to fit right in there. I don't, you know, um, I just try to win ball games. That's it. End of the day, whatever they need me to do, and I've seen a couple of games where people don't touch the paint and spread it out, and play defense, pick up 40, uh, 94 feet, um, all those things, little things, what impacts winning, I believe, and uh, we just gotta, you know, do it. And uh, that's where I come in, you know, I just try to um, do the little things, of course, scoring, passing, setting up my teammates uh, is that too, but um, I think those two is uh, that's what we need right now. Thanks, sir. All right. So I thought his assessment of what it is, two things specifically that he wants to bring to this team. And he's saying it's not about, you know, necessarily playing with LeBron or playing with Russ or playing with AD saying, I've done that over the years. I've played with Shea Gildress Alexander. I've played with Russ and OKC. I've played with Paul George. I've played with all these different players. He said, I'm trying to bring two things specifically to this team. And that's on the offensive end, touching the paint which is a Frank Vogelism that we heard over and over and over again, right? Um, and playing 94 feet of defense. Do you agree with his assessment that, that those two things need to be his focal point for this Lakers team? Yeah, I think that's exactly what he needs to be, and that's exactly who he's been throughout his career. Now, he had his most like individual success when he was an on-ball score-first point guard uh, back in Atlanta, all the way back in Atlanta. Um, but he has shown that he can be successful as a secondary ball handler next to a star. Um, and I think that that's kind of the role he needs to play here. And Patrick Beverly was also kind of slated to play that role, play defense, uh, you know, get, get some, get some playmaking going, hit some open shots every now and again. Um, and the hope is that at least one of them can do that with consistency. And if one of them can do that with consistency, then you have more than enough to cover the minutes that Russ is not on the floor. So I think, I think that's exactly the type of role he needs to play. He's, he's got the right mindset and we know Dennis, Dennis's tenure with the Lakers did not end pretty, um, yeah. you know, ended with, with some very ugly shooting nights and some very ugly performances in the playoffs. But I think a lot of people kind of forget that the first maybe six months of the season, pretty much until he got COVID and went out for like two weeks, he was really solid. Like, and he did a lot of work to keep the Lakers in games when LeBron and AD went down. Um, so this is a very solid basketball player. I don't think that he's, you know, a, a star in any way, but he's a very solid basketball player. And I think he'll do, he'll do well for this team. Agreed. And, and I'll tell you what the silver lining to this thumb injury is that it forced him to rest. He talked about this um, as well. He said that he was, he was worn out. He was worn out, you know, when he came to the Lakers in preseason he had just come off of Eurobasket. And so this thumb injury actually forced his body to get the rest that it needed. And so when I saw Dennis, it was a tiny sample size of nine minutes. But from what I saw of Dennis Schroeder in preseason was not that impressive. That little stint that we saw of him, he didn't look that good. But I wonder how much of that was just wear and tear, the accumulation of playing a lot of basketball. Now he's had to take weeks off, let his body rest and recover. He also said heading into preseason, that he actually got sick, that he was ill and he lost almost 10 pounds, which he's not a, a heavy guy to begin with. So he had lost almost 10 pounds. So he had been dealing with fatigue plus the illness, 
now he's back to 100% and fully recovered. So again, not good that he had to get get surgery on his thumb, but the silver lining, we get a 100% version of Dennis Schroeder instead of whatever that was that we would have seen back in preseason. Yeah, and I, I think if we get, you know, not exactly what we got during the 2020-21 season, um, because that's, you know, that was a different Dennis Schroeder. I feel like it's been a couple of years. He's not quite the same guy. But if you can get 75, 80% of that, uh, you have yourself a really solid rotation player. And right now with the way Patrick Beverly has looked, you maybe have a starter. And then, of course, the hope is that LeBron will play tonight. Right now, still questionable. Um, Darvin Ham mentioning that he didn't go through through contact at practice, but it was a non-contact practice for everybody. So there wasn't even an opportunity. It wasn't like they were doing a full practice and LeBron was off to the side or anything like that. He was with the team, doing everything with them. So hopefully he will be good to go tonight. But this game tonight does kick off a stretch of the Lakers season that I think is the most important so far. And it's a seven-game stretch. And take a look at who is going to appear coming up here. Next, for the, the remainder of November, this is the schedule. It's Detroit tonight, then you get San Antonio, then a three-game road trip at Phoenix, at San Antonio, at San Antonio. So two games in a row, back-to-back in San Antonio. Then you get the Indiana Pacers, and then you finish off the month with the Portland Trailblazers. We've seen a Lakers schedule for the first 13 games or so that's been very difficult. I'm not saying that they're, they're not going to lose some of these games. There's you know some, some tough games here, too. But this is a much lighter schedule than what they saw to start the season. I think it's really important that they capitalize on this. And I do wonder what impact this is going to have on the front office's decision-making in terms of whether or not they make a trade. Like, if this team does not win, what, maybe four of these seven, does the front office just say, no, it's not worth it, this team doesn't have it, we're not going to make a trade right now? I, I think these next seven games will go a long way towards determining whether or not the Lakers do make a midseason deal. Not not only will the Lakers' uh, performance in these seven games tell us a lot about what they might do, um, it's also very funny that it's these opponents. Right. Because you're going to get firsthand scouting of everyone you've wanted to trade for for the last year, um, pretty much right in a row. So this, I you know... It, it seems silly to say that. Like, of course, they've they've already looked at tape of Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, and Josh mm-hmm. Richardson and Doug McDermott. But it's different when it's happening to your team. I think I think if Buddy Heald and Miles Turner go out there and dominate in a Pacers win, it's gonna be like, ah oh, man, that that hurts. Maybe we should make this trade. Um, so so I think that's an interesting part of it too. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's difficult to ask the Lakers, this Lakers team, to go out and win, you know, six of seven or even five of seven. Uh, but man, it it would go a long, long way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it absolutely would. And you're right. You've got uh, the Detroit Pistons, by the way, are, are uh, have played. They played last night against the Clippers. So this is going to be the second night of a back-to-back. But you're going to see Boyan Bogdanovich. Then you've got you've got Josh Richardson. You've got Doug McDermott. You've got Jakob Pertl, who may have some interest from the Celtics as well. You have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Ron, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we came on the air here. What's the reaction at Crypto.com Arena going to be like for that game uh, against Indiana on the uh, on the 28th when Buddy Heald and Miles Turner get announced? I don't know what it's going to be, but I want to be there for it <laughs> <laughs> because I I think that's going to be I think that's going to be really like prime comedy. I think that's going to be really good stuff. 
I have a feeling Lakers fan, like especially if those guys have big showings there, and if the Lakers are losing that game, I think the crowd is going to be pretty loud in expressing their opinion about what the Lakers need to do. It's so interesting. It reminds me a lot of last season. I went to the Lakers-Bulls game, and I think it's the first time I've ever been to a Lakers game where the opposing team got more cheers because it was Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, all of whom are like Laker fan favorite people ever. Right. L.A. guys, um, former Lakers. Right. Guys who had been rumored to the Lakers. Zach Levine, I know for a long time, was yep. a rumor. DeMar DeRozan was obviously a rumor. Um, so like, it almost reminds me of that game where it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if Miles Turner and Buddy Heald got louder ovations than like Anthony Davis did that night. Because it's just it's just where the fan base is at mentally right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like uh, on the 28th. Um, looking at this stretch, I I'm not sure how to approach this. If they show well, and let let's say they win five out of seven, does that is should the response from the front office be okay? This team can get something done if we give them a little more firepower. Let's go make a trade. Or if they win five out of seven, does the front office say, "Oh, see, you guys are good as is. We don't we don't need to make a deal." And then vice versa, right? If they lose a bunch, do they say, "Well, clearly you need more help," or do they say, "Well, you know what? You're too far gone. We're not going to." bother making a trade i don't know what's better if the end result if you're hoping that the end result is a trade no i mean it's tough because in all four of the scenarios you just described i would say that all four of those reactions would be incorrect by the front office because if you're going five and two in this stretch and you say oh they're almost there they just need a little bit of firepower it's like why because they beat san antonio three sure. times a team that's actively trying to lose all their games like that that doesn't that doesn't feel concrete to me. And then on the flip side, if you lose, it's like, it's like it it's over. Like if you go, let's say three and four in this stretch, and you're six and fourteen, and you're coming off a loss to the Spurs, a loss to the Pacers, and a loss to the Pistons, like wh what do you even do at that point? There there is no season saving trade that's going to happen at that point. And I think. This is just one of those stretches where it's important because you want the Lakers to have confidence going into more difficult games like we see Milwaukee and Cleveland on the schedule mm -hmm. um, after that. But it, it doesn't feel like it it should tell us a lot about their bigger plans for the season. It just feels like a stretch of winnable games that they need to win. I just think this is, you know, if we go back to the initial timeline that we heard about for the Lakers to make a trade, it was post-Thanksgiving or it was 20 games in. This is it, right? This is post-game Thanksgiving. This is 20 games. In. Now, around the NBA, the unofficial start to trade season is December 15th, when a lot of the guys who signed contracts last summer become trade eligible. So, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm not even saying that this is like, you know, like the day after Thanksgiving, suddenly, you know, the 25th, the Lakers make a trade. I don't think that's even what's going to happen here, but it just feels like this may be the last bit of analysis that the front office really gets before they really settle in and decide, okay, we need to start coming to a decision here. And it's also possible that after this stretch, LeBron might be putting more pressure on the front office to figure out what they're going to do. He's already putting more pressure on the front <laughs> office. We want to get to our next segment. Let's, let's do that. Let's get to that. So on, oh boy. So on the shop, the shop, Amazon Prime Thursday night football edition. Yes. So they're watching uh, the Packers Titans game. It's not going well for Green Bay. Uh, Derrick Henry is, is running all over them and, and the Titans will ultimately go on to win the game. And LeBron has this to say about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He says it's about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He said it's a discredit when you've got a franchise or a transcendent franchise player. Why wouldn't you surround that when you've got the picks to maximize what he can do? Now, that's just pulling a little bit of what he said, but still, that was the gist of it. He was later asked, you know, like, hey, are you really just talking about football or, you know, what he said? Oh, no, no, I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers. And then he said, you know, he got, he went back and forth a little bit. He tried to be diplomatic, but we all know that LeBron – he doesn't say things just to say that. Like he knows what the impact is going to be, the things he's that he says. Shy. Yeah. So here's LeBron saying it's a discredit when you don't use your picks to give your franchise player what they need. I. He didn't say it was about himself, but it's hard not to read it that way. Yeah, I mean, he he said he meant what he said, um, and and. The thing is, this is not a new stance from LeBron, right? He's been he's right. been at this uh, he's been at this picks thing for a while now. I think uh, when the Rams won the Super Bowl, you know, he he loves this football metaphor thing that he's got going on. Of uh, I'm talking about a football team, but in reality, I'm talking about my Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's not been shy about this. He wants the picks to be traded for quality players right now, and. And you know, I get, I get on some level wanting to make your superstar happy, but uh, to to quote Dennis Schroeder, at the end of the day, um, it it doesn't mean it's a good move, right? Like just because your superstar wants it doesn't mean it's a good move. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a little different too in this situation because Aaron Rodgers, all he's ever asked for is just some wide receivers, and the Packers for like 15 years have refused to do that. Right. Um, the Lakers are in a much different situation, which is they're not like one move away, right? If the Lakers were one move away, then it'd be like, okay, let's, if they were, if they were like eight and five right now and had a couple of quality wins and it was like, man, but we're just, we're just one move away from where we really can go for this thing. I would be, on my soapbox saying trade all the picks sure like do whatever you need to do to get whoever but they're they're three and ten and this is just a different situation um than what the packers are going through i mean they're the packers aren't playing well either but like that's they're really if they had some wide receivers the season would look a little different 
Um, oh, whereas, sure. like, yeah, if they if they had a Devonte Adams or something, maybe, right? Yeah, I mean, you'd want generally if you have a guy like Devonte Adams, you'd want to keep him. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's just it's a different situation, and I get what LeBron's trying to do, but just because your superstar wants it doesn't mean it's a good move, right? Okay, so now, but let me ask you this because I think this matters for the Lakers front office. Let's say you continue going down this path, and you're saying, you know, it's possible that it's not the right move for the Lakers to go ahead and make a trade right now, and that's that's fine. But the I believe it was the Chris Haynes piece that already mentioned that hey, like this could cause the key stakeholders in the Lakers, i.e., LeBron and Anthony Davis, to sour on the future direction of the franchise. Well. If you're souring on the direction of the franchise, take that a step further. That means you're, you don't want to be there, right? If that is the path that we are going to travel down here, where if you don't make a move, then this summer you're potentially dealing with a trade request, whether it's LeBron or AD or both of them or whatever, is that then, does that make it more worthwhile for the Lakers to make a trade and avoid that situation? Do you still say, no, if a good deal isn't there, we're not going to do it. And if you want traded, we'll deal with that when the time comes. What, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because we're not in the room with LeBron, sure. you know, like we're not having these conversations. So it's easy for me to say this from here, but let them request the trade, right? Like we we've, we've gone through this in prior, in prior podcasts and videos where we've said like, what is the doomsday scenario? They don't make a trade. They miss the playoffs. They're awful. Do you blow it up this offseason? And we both agreed that that at least had to be in consideration if the season went that way. Um, so if that's already in consideration, then who cares if they request a trade? Like you were already thinking about trading them anyway if this season went that way. So I, I think it's just one of those you, you want to make LeBron happy. But also, you have to know deep down that Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are not saving this team. They're three and ten. Like they're they have the the fourth worst record in basketball right now. Mm -hmm. And unless they make a very quick, very drastic turnaround, um, I just don't see a world where they become some championship contender. Should it matter to them what the Pelicans? are doing with a pick swap or, or anything like that? Like, is that, should that be a factor in their decision-making? Like, Hey, let's get better right now. So it doesn't look even worse for us. Like should their should their season goal shift from championship to let's be better than the Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, you can't use the pick swap. Yeah. No, I just mean like the, is that a factor at all in your decision-making in terms of, do you go for it and try to make your team better right now? Because if you're giving up, the number one pick, say, to the Pelicans, that's going to feel pretty bad uh, in June. Whereas if you have an opportunity, the added benefit of going for it right now is, okay, maybe you give up whatever, the 14th pick to the Pelicans or something like that. The optics of your Anthony Davis trade, while again, it may not impact your franchise all that much, you can look at it as a sunk cost. But, I mean, the Lakers are going to get clowned all summer if they hand over Wembenyama to, uh, to the Pelicans. So, should that be a factor in the decision-making of the front office? <laughs> Should it be? No, because you wouldn't, like, you don't give up future assets that you look a little less stupid today, right? And, like, sure. let's be completely real. The Lakers are already getting clowned for that pick, regardless of where it lands. Like, if that pick ends up getting conveyed to the Pelicans, whether it's 1 or it's 17, they're getting clowned because it's like, wow, you did all that, and the Pelicans are better than you. Like, they got right. your pick. So I think they're getting clowned regardless. At this point, 
the smart thing to do is kind of what they've been doing, which is just just hold the course and figure it out later because nothing is like unless barring something unforeseen, like nothing, no trade, one trade is saving this team. Um, so I just think I think that's where it has to be. And, you know, maybe the next stretch of games will determine something. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what they can do for the remainder of the month of November. Again, I think it's going to be pretty pretty critical that they're able to pick up wins during this stretch. If they're not, that will not be a good sign moving forward. But, Ron, thanks so much for, for coming on here and, and uh, talking Lakers. Again, we've got a game tonight. Exciting stuff. Dennis Schroeder, Thomas Bryant back in action. Max Christie will be out. He's in COVID protocols, so unfortunately he will not be in action. But otherwise, it's going to be a fairly healthy Lakers team here. So interested to see what they do tonight and then – Man, I can't wait for this seven-game stretch. It's going to be important. The Lakers can get some Ws. And, uh, Ron, we'll keep an eye out for you in the crowd on the 28th to see if you're if you're there cheering on uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Yeah, it would be something special. But, yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me on. All right, Lakers Nation, make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And don't forget to check us out over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.